hope requires uncertainty. Only if the future isn't written can we possibly wish for hope. Hi, I'm Vicki Robin. In partnership with the Post Carbon Institute, I'm hosting short to the point conversations with diverse cultural scouts, asking each one the same question, what could possibly go right? The invitation is to see through these wise eyes what is opening up in the present moment as normal is upended and next is not at all clear. These conversations were recorded a few months into the pandemic and in the weeks following the murder of George Floyd. Let's see what today's guest says. Yay, here we are. I'm here with uh, Susie Moser for a conversation about what could possibly go right. <laughs> and uh, so just to introduce Susie or Dr. Suzanne Moser, uh, she is director and principal researcher of Suzanne Moser Research and Consulting in Hadley, Massachusetts. She's also an affiliated faculty in the Department of Landscape Architecture and Regional Planning at the University of Massachusetts Amherst and a research faculty in the Environmental Studies Department at Antioch University in New England. Uh, she's a geographer by training and with an interest in how social science can inform society's responses to global challenge. She's worked in coastal areas, urban and rural communities with foster reliant community, uh, forest reliant communities and on human health issues. Um, and I know from doing my research, uh, Susie, that you think about hope and hope in hard times, hope in uh, impossible and unthinkable and unbearable predicaments. You don't have to talk about hope, but the, the question that we're asking people is pretty much uh, in that realm of not wishful thinking, but just observing what's so in this moment. What do you see as a cultural scout as to what could possibly go right? I love that framing. That's, you know, it's so beautiful how it directs our attention to, to things that we as researchers certainly don't usually think about. It's mostly what's wrong and what do we do about those things. Um, so hope, this is an interesting starting point. You know, one of the things that I often say to the people who ask me, how can we possibly have hope in this time, is that hope is something that requires us to look at the very truth that is. And then from there, see what is possible, what is a worthy outcome that we might work toward what possible steps could we take in along the way to in that direction um and you know it's a hope is a thing that you need in times like these in times of great uncertainty if i ask you you know if you're completely convinced that we're doomed or if you're completely convinced all's going to be fine you don't need hope right Hope requires uncertainty. Only if the future isn't written can we possibly wish for hope. And, you know, one of the things that I really appreciate and in and, and answer to your question, what could possibly go right at the moment, is that we're all experiencing this uncertainty. And there is more truth-telling 
at this moment, that certainly at any point in my lifetime, um, which is more than 50 years, <laughs> I have not experienced a time when people are so willing to name what seemed pretty much unspeakable just two months ago, four months ago. Um, and to open up the conversation in areas that were off limit the, of the conversation, right? I mean, the racism, the, <laughs> uh, the political system, the right to vote. I mean, all of these things, yeah, a few groups have mentioned that, but it's everywhere now. And I don't think this is just my selective, you know, Google search engine that is trained to look at these things. I think it's, you open the, the newspapers and it comes from every corner right now, how we are, you know, not just saying we got to, you know, stop the racism, we got to stop the police brutality. We're beginning to have conversations about what could community safety look like? I mean, that's an incredibly generative question. Right. And so in the midst of all this uncertainty and hitting the limits of what we thought was possible, we're opening up to possibilities. And to me, that's, you know, this, those are some of the core ingredients of hope that we have, that we have sort of a, a real assessment of how bad things are. And we're beginning to at least search together. Um, for what could be a possible, meaningful, better future. I, I agree this, um, this sense, I have the sense too, of this aperture opening is sort of like eyes wide open and now wider open. And so for me, the interrelationship between the issues that I've cared about, whether it's Me Too or climate or, you know, the, the, the smarmy underbelly of the money system, you know, or, or racism, all of these, uh, you know, activists have talked about intersectionality, you know, and it seemed sort of like a formal term for something. But now it's so clear that all of these streams are participating mm -hmm. in a sort of a, a core generative story that seems to be breaking apart. And, yeah, and I think what you just said, the, the breaking apart, that seems such a crucial piece, right? I mean, as long as we hold on to what is and we keep the story intact, there is no opening. So what feels like the end of the world, it feels like, you know, the collapse of so many things is actually, it's painful, no doubt, <laughs> you know, but it is actually making it possible for transformation to, to begin. And as a long path to it, there's absolutely no guarantee we're going to, you know, move in, in a positive direction at all, because the darker forces are just as hard as work as the rest of us. Um, but I... I think this is necessary, a necessary precondition that things fall apart. Yeah, and you, you brought up that question that I've, I found so powerful too about what would community safety look like? Like if it's not just sort of some angry defund the police because we hate them, it's like, okay, no, sort of like defund the model of, of community safety and find a, let's ask what another model is. And I mean, that's like such an amazing question. So in, in the, in what you look at in terms of 
climate, I know that that's been a focus for you. What would be some generative questions of that ilk that we could be asking now that things are breaking apart? I mean, the climate issue is not in the front and center any, at the moment. The pandemic is yeah. and racism, but it's, it's, man, it's like right there in the wings. What, what questions, you know, what, what would open and keep open that aperture around climate, which seems like we're so far almost over the edge? Yeah. Well, it's challenging. And, and let me just say that I don't think um, climate change is, has been re forced to retreat into the wings entirely because, you know, the, the issue is, has not gone away um, by any stretch of the imagination. And in fact, many of the trends are accelerating um, as we speak, you know, the, sea level rise is such that people have, even during beautiful weather, have flooding in their streets, water is coming up through the sewer um, system. You know, everybody is looking with great anxiety to a stronger hurricane season predicted for this year than, than previous years. So it's not exactly um, in, the, in the far edges. Having said that, um, you know, what, what I'm, seeing and have observed over the last several months is that, and I'll just make it really graphic, during a crisis, our concerns become very basic, right? It's about toilet paper and food and keeping the housing over our, our heads. Um, so it's, it's really, you know, at the very bottom, if you will, of Maslow's um, hierarchy of, of needs. But let's tie that for a moment to this idea of community safety. So one layer of safety in the face of climate change, a pandemic, an economic crisis, or um, you know, crime, or any other form of, of uh, violence and whatnot would be that we have those basic needs met and how to create food systems, how to create industries, businesses, that are resilient in the face of shocks, um, that have the flexibility to go from in-person to online almost seamlessly. <laughs> you know, those, those kinds of things without like crashing the entire economy of a community or a nation for that matter. Um, those would be sort of the bottom line of, of safety concerns that I would think a community has to deal with. But, you know, to reimagine what does our local community look like? Our, our local economy look like? How are we dependent on things that happen far away, right? And what do we do? What's, what's the redundancy we can build into the system to not be so vulnerable when something happens like a pandemic or a shock far away that you know, has all these different ways to ripple you know, to our shores. So I think those kinds of questions would be very important to ask. And I actually have seen some, some beginning conversations of thinking about resilience and recovery in that broader term, not just, you know, let's go back to exactly what we had before the pandemic or the economic crisis. But now that we have recovery dollars, what actually do we want to invest them in? And how do we create that greater resilience to 
the complexity and, and compound simultaneous events um, that inevitably will, will happen. I think what we're experiencing right now is a little bit of a preview for compounding uh, crises of the future in a much more disrupted uh, climate system and environmental system. So to me, that's sort of the base, the, the first question, that layer of, of safety to meet our basic human needs. But then after that, it's, you know, the higher needs in Maslow's pyramid, right? Who, who do we want to be with each other? Who do we want to be as individuals within that collective of a community? Um, I mean, if we're not emotionally safe, if we're not politically safe to express our differences, our uniquenesses, then I don't think we have community safety. And I think the anti-racist uprising that we're seeing right now is you know, one very, very loud reminder, long overdue reminder, um, that that form of safety of expression has been curtailed for centuries. So, you know, it, it really, it, it goes from the very basic to the higher aspirations of who we are as human beings. And quite frankly, with that, you know, can we even expand our notions of community and include the non-human beings around us as being part of that safety. Mm. So I, I hear, uh, and I just, I know that we have to like keep it really short. So, um, but what I'm hearing as a focal point is this question of safety. And, you know, when everything's going hunky-dory, you don't need hope and you don't really even have to think about safety. That's all being handled at some background level, you know, that everything just works and I get to go on with my life. But right now under threat, safety and public safety and community safety um, seems like really important and people recognize it at the level of toilet paper. So, <laughs> and there we're recognizing at the level of policing you know, just even the question, what keeps us safe without even having an answer, seems to be a little sort of worm <laughs> that could run through um, some of the many, the many conversations and thoughts that we have. Well, you know, it, it's a one that concerns us right now because we have been so shaken in what we thought was background and we took it for granted. And, and when I say we, you know, it's mostly us privileged ones who were able to let that all be background. You know, people who live in, in neighborhoods where there is constant police violence, where there is constant violence of all sorts, um, women who are not safe from men in crises, um, whether that is you know, people who are in the path of storms, people, I mean, like there's so many layers to ways in which our existence is not at all uh, assured and our lives are precarious. And I think this, this moment is shaking these foundations of belief so strongly that we actually have a chance of waking up to it and to really question, is it is the way we have created safety actually inclusive? Is it, you know, is it there for everyone? Um, is it really safe? <laughs> you know, we can create illusions of safety that are on the backs of, of others. 
um, or that just push the problem a little bit further down the line, but are not really, you know, solidly anchoring our existence at all. So I think those are the, the this is the, the opportunity in this moment that we ask it. You could have thrown me a different bone and maybe I would have started the conversation from a different angle, but, <laughs> but I think it's a useful one to really think, you know, about that and, and in the uncertainty of not being assured of our existence and of our safety, how then do we want to create our lives, recreate them with each other, with the, with the earth? Right. Well, let's call that a wrap because it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Susie. I'm going to uh, chew on that for a long time to come. Okay, oh, so pleasure. may you be safe. <laughs> may you be well. May all that you love be safe and be well. And may and all be well. You. Yeah. For everyone. Yes. Yeah, for everyone. <laughs> so safety is a sort of a core um, prayer from our hearts. That may all be yes. safe. Okay, Thank my you. friend. <laughs> ciao, ciao. Bye. <laughs>